Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Uh, today we'll, we are wrapping up our series on the Holy Spirit, and we have called this series The Helper, and we did that uh, because Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Helper, that he said that he was going to give us the Holy Spirit to be able to help us to be able to live this life in Christ. And how amazing is it that God did not just say, hey, this is what I expect, this is what I need out of you, I need you to get this uh, done, um, go and do it. No, he gave the gift of his own presence alive on the inside of us to help us to be able to live. Now, he does not marionette us. He's not the puppet master, okay? He created us in his image to be autonomous, to be able to to be a a free moral agent, to be able to make decisions and to to be a chooser. That's, That's how we're made in his image. But the way this works is that we take our lives and we place it in his hands. It's this thing that, that we call lordship, and we let him be lord of our life. We let him take the lead, take the direction, take the, give the guidance, and then we choose to follow in the direction that he, that he leads us in. And then he helps us to be able to do it because sometimes the things he's prompting us to do, the, the things he's asking us to do, um, they're just outside of our nat- natural capabilities. That's because he's calling us deeper and higher into, into Christ-likeness, into who he is. And so I'm just so grateful for the gift and the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you got your bulletin, if you got your, um, your little app, you're in celebration world, we've been tracking with this idea that God has given us the Holy Spirit to be our helper, and it is vital to our life in Christ. John 16, verse 7. Jesus is telling his disciples, uh, nevertheless, um, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Remember, this was a shocking statement to them. They had given up their whole lives, walked away from their careers. They had had just given everything to to pursue Jesus. And now Jesus is saying, "Um, I'm I'm about to jet. I'm about to go. And it's to your good. It's to your advantage that I am not going to be here physically. He says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He's saying that you, us having the Holy Spirit is better than Jesus being here in the present. When Jesus accomplished his role, accomplished his function, as the, as the savior of the world, his next spot was to step into um, and, and go to the sit at the right hand of the father and allow the Holy Spirit to step into the Holy Spirit's role in our life, which is to actually in, live on the inside of us and guide us from the inside out. And as we're doing that, as, the, as God is growing us um, from the inside out, we'll begin to show his nature in our lives more. And yes, I, I, I wish that, we, that it was just this, this almost magical moment, you know, that, that we place our faith in Christ, we recognize we need a savior, we do it, and then all of a sudden, boom, we're just 100% Christ-like. 
That's just not the way it goes. Praise God, God meets us where we are. And where we are when we meet God is it's not godly. It's not. And I'm so thankful that we don't have to be godly to meet God. That we're meeting God, connecting with God, that is where godliness begins. And he begins to, to move us in that direction. And as we mature, as we let the work of the helper, the Holy Spirit work in our lives, we will begin to see some growth from the inside out to show up and let his nature begin to show up in our lives. And it should begin to be inspiring. And it's because God is wanting, we're his children. He wants his, his nature, his characteristics to begin to show off in our lives. And, and something that when we begin to see a reflection of that, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, Cutie and I have uh, seven kids, and so if you're new to us, they're 26 down to seven, and uh, we've got, uh, the, you saw the two little ones just uh, a minute ago, and, you know, one of the joys of parenthood um, is, you know, having this, this little person who has some of your your nature on the inside of them and seeing some of these things that begin to, to reflect, you know, and then there's some, also there's some frustration and, you know, cutie will tell me, um, hey, why did you pass that down to them? Why did you, why did you do that? And it, it's just kind of, that, that's just the way it is, some of those joys. But with, with our heavenly father, he, he, as a father, he wants to, to cultivate those things. And, and honestly, it's natural. We kind of like to see some of our own selves kind of echoed in these things. Um, years ago, um, when the oldest five were much, much younger. Um, one day, I don't even know how it got going, but I decided that I was going to create um, this fictional world and tell this impromptu story. And, and so I just started telling a story. And because I'm doing this off the top of my head, and then in doing that, I'm, I'm then stuck with some of these things um, that I make up and I was making it up as I go. So please forgive my lack of creativity. I did not get, have any edit mode when I did this, okay? I just was doing it. So I uh, decided that, this, that these, these um, characters were going to live on the island of Babalu. And I realized that is not an original name, but it popped in my head. And so they're on the island of Babalu and they're stuck on the island of Babalu forever. And so, and then because they live on the Isle of Babalu, then they are the Babylonians. And so we've got these Babylonians and we have to have these heroes of the story. And so since they're Babylonians and I'm making this up as I go, well, then the first character we introduce is our oldest child. And the name is such a brilliant name, it's Kinaloni. And so, and I bet you can know what the, the next one's name if you know my daughter's name, uh, Brookaloni. And then, yeah, you get it, Westaloni, Lindaloni, Carcelloni. And so I was, my creativity was running thin. So, but that was, who, and of course it was not hard to see who was who. Um, and then in creating these characters, and so I'm, I'm telling these stories about this, their adventures on the Isle of Babalu and, and begin to weave in some of their, the, just their own personalities in there. And, and Keenan had always liked 
um, digging holes, and he had always liked doing those types of things. And, and so I made Keenan be able to, to dig super fast, and his weapon was a double-ended shovel. And so, you know, it was the Darth Maul of shovels. And so he, he, he's able to get out there. And of course, if he's digging super fast, well, then his, his lair, his mansion, was this series of, of rooms and caves that he dug and he lived underground and, and that was his thing. And then, and then Brooklyn had her own characteristics and, and uh, she could kind of camouflage into anything. Brooklyn's the, the one Clark who'll always kind of disappear. So the other Clark kids are like, hey, I'm here. Where's the party? And Brooklyn's like, see ya. And so, which makes her a great photographer. She disappears into the crowd, snaps the pics. Um, little did I know she was going to be a photographer. And I said that she, was, she had eyesight and she could see further than anybody. I didn't even know that characteristic about her, that she was going to be a photographer and be able to have like the telephoto lens and see what was going on and snap all of that. But that was one of her uh, that was one of her characteristics. And, and Weston was always messing with stuff and building things and trying to put things together. So he was building things with sticks all the times. And then he would fight with sticks. And, and, and then Lyndon, our little fashion diva, well, she was uh, the one who, she would fight with these like super sharp knitting needles and she could like knit things real fast. And of course her lair was this beautiful silk tent that she made herself. And so we did all this thing. And then Carson was able to talk to the animals. He's always had loved the outdoors. And so he was able to converse with all the animals and they were basically his army. He would command these animals and they would fight on his behalf. And then if he actually had to fight, he was a boxer. And, and so uh, we, I would do all of these things. And so we're creating all of this stuff and the kids, they loved being able to hear these stories that saw these pieces of themselves. And, and what we uh, decided one time that I was going to pick up on the story and I had, I, had, I had forgotten some of the details, honestly, as you're making it up, as you go, you forget, but they did not forget their details. So I recorded, I said, hey, I want to carry on the story. I want you to introduce yourself. And so I'm kind of like getting the information I need. And so I'm recording it. And so I had each of the kids kind of refresh me on their character. And it gets down to Carson. And Carson is sitting there in his, his little <clears throat> like seven-year-old voice. And he says, my name is Carceloni. I, I mean, uh, Carson. And I'm able to do this and this and this. And this. no, 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 my character. And, and there began to real quickly as he took ownership of this, there began to be this, this place where there was this blur between Carson and Carceloni that he so identified with this, these attributes that all of a sudden there began to be this, this blur, this shift in this thing. There's a place where the real nature that God wants to be able to bring about in you. What we're about to get into is the fruit of the spirit. This is the real you. And believe it or not, you've been living a characterization of yourself for a long time. And you have identified with this characterization of yourself. And the real you is being harvested by the Holy Spirit. The real you, you think you know the real you, but it's not. It is the you that has been shaped by the story you've lived 
It is the you that has been shaped by the narratives you've been told. It is the, it is, it is the character that has, been, has been, been forced on you by expectations of parents, by expectations of society, by expectations of things. And the author of your life knows the real you. The author of your life knows what you're supposed to look like without all of those pressures, disappointments, all of those different things. And he wants to begin to bring about these things. And the, and the fruit of the spirit is the real you. This is thing is the, is the real you. And, and as we begin to get into that, that is why we can, when people begin to, to tap into the very first one, they begin to tap into some place of love we begin to see the real nature of them. The problem is they're not that all the time. And that's why people, single people, you have to be careful about who you begin to, because when love is involved and somebody feels a little bit of love, you can begin to see the nature of God in their life. But what is their life choice pattern? Their life choice pattern is gonna determine where they go. They were made in the image of God and you can get a glimpse of them. And you go, everybody else, everybody just judges them and, and, and you don't know the real them. You're right. We don't know the real them. They probably don't know the real them. What life choice patterns are they making? That's what you need to know that before you attach your life to somebody. Are they making good life choices? Because you're about to live them if you had connect your life to them for the rest of your life. And so, but when, we, when love is involved, all of a sudden we begin to see this, the, this nature begin to come out. So what I want us to look at is that the growth that the Holy Spirit creates in our lives is referenced as the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Fruit is involved in the scriptures from beginning to end. We see there in the Garden of Eden, there's, there's all kinds of fruit and fruit-bearing trees for them to eat and then from to, for them to live on. And then there's also the, the fruit of the tree of life and there's the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We see this all through the beginning. There at the end, we, we go all the way to the end into Revelation 22 and we see there as John the Revelator has, a, has the prophetic image of heaven itself and there's the throne of God and there's a river that flows out of the throne and out of that river, there is this trees that are sitting there and they're producing all of these different fruit, 12 different kinds of fruit, fruit in the heaven itself. There was fruit in the perfection of creation and perfection of garden. There's fruit in the presence of God in heaven itself. And God wants there to be fruit, his fruit in our lives. This is something that there, when, when sin is not, is not having its way, in the perfection of the garden, the perfection of heaven, fruit is a natural thing. It's a natural thing. And so as we are now stepping into the fullness of what God is wanting to do in our lives, we let the spirit lead and fruit naturally grows. It naturally grows. You don't have to go over there and beat an apple tree to make it produce apples. You just give it the water and put it in the soil and it's gonna produce apples. That's what it naturally does. That's how it functions. That's what it does. You don't have to beat it. You don't have to, to guilt it into doing it. Well, I thought you was an apple tree. Where are them apples? They're gonna show up. They're going to show up. If it's an apple tree, they're going to show up. And so let's look at Galatians chapter five, verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There's no law. There's no limits on these things. In these, you can just be as loving as you want to be, as joyful as you want to be, as peaceful as you want to be. It just goes and goes. There's no limitations. There's no place where you've got to throttle it back. You don't got to put a governor on your joy. Okay, that's a little little too much. You You need to dial that back a little. It's not. And then here's the other thing is all of these attributes, there's nothing tied to them that has to do with anything of talent, anything to do with skill, nothing to do with age, race, socioeconomic position, whether you were born in the bush of Australia and you were raised there or you were raised in a castle somewhere in Europe or you got to be raised on a West Texas ranch. These things are applicable, they're valuable, and they're, and they're alive in our lives. They can be experienced by a three-year-old and they can be experienced by a 103-year-old. This is something that is just, that should be alive on each, on the inside of each of us. And the fruit of the Spirit is the fulfillment of one of the promises that was spoken by Jesus. See, the truth is, is that in this, he has freed us. In our new life in Christ, he has freed us to be able to actually begin to live these things out, to really have love, to really begin to have joy and peace, to really begin to have all of these different things. He has freed us to be able to have what our hearts have desired all along. We go back to the, to the place, and we're going to go into John chapter 15. If you remember early in this series, I pointed out that in John chapter 14, 15, 16, and part of 17, all happen in the upper room on the night in which Jesus is betrayed. Um, it is his last big meeting with his disciples. He's doing a massive download, a massive teaching with his disciples. And, and it's all of this is just one big time together. Uh, there in the upper room where he washes the disciples' feet and we get the Lord's Supper and all of those different aspects, all of those different pieces. And he's telling them in this space that about the Holy Spirit and the function of the Holy Spirit. And, and he says, and you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. He said, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. If we stay connected, if we stay connected with him, bearing fruit is a natural part of this. It is natural. It's not something you have to do. He doesn't look at the branch and say, you know what? I'm going to see if there's some fruit and I'm going to decide if I want to be identified with you. There, all of a sudden now, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, good, that's a good batch of, of oranges there. Yeah, you can go ahead and be connected with me. That looks good. No, he says, you get connected with me and then it shows up. He connects us to himself first and then the fruit shows up. That's why we can't do this thing of, well, I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. 
Well, guess what? Some of us just look like sticks stuck on a branch. Some of us do. We're early in this. We're early in this. And guess what? That's why we have to be patient with one another because as we, as we, as we get connected onto the, the vine, as we connect to him, he will grow the fruit in our lives. And he wants to do it and, and be able to bring out a place of abundance of fruit. Here's the problem is that we often go looking to life to harvest these different things, to harvest love. There's a ton of apps that are created to be able to connect because we want to go harvest love. We'll settle for some attention. We'll settle sometimes for some flirting. We'll settle for some compliments and maybe even evening here or there. But what we're wanting to do, what we're trying to do is we're picking up the little tidbits along the way. We're looking to go out and harvest love. Is there some love over there? I wanna go over there and grab that. Is there some love over here? I wanna go over and do that. We do it with joy. We do it with joy. We'll, we'll go to the movies and try to watch a comedy so we can get an hour and a half of, uh, of fabricated giggles and laughs and some stuff. We'll try to find our, watch our favorite sitcom and, and watch the same series on Netflix for the fifth time in a row and, and tell the same jokes and, and do all those different things just to try to find and harvest a little bit of joy. Yeah. We'll try to harvest a little bit of peace our minds are racing, anxiety is coming up and we'll try to harvest some peace. We'll try to figure it out. We'll have to harvest some peace and, and trying to get around, make people that make us feel peaceful. We'll try to get harvest peace and, and maybe some, some sort of thing that, that settles our mind. Maybe it's a couple of drinks, maybe it's a couple of this or that and we'll just try to harvest some peace. We go out and we, and we look to try to, to harvest it over and over again, some goodness some faithfulness. Sometimes we're trying to sit there and harvest that. We want somebody who'll be in our life, a best friend who's gonna stick with us. I just need somebody that's faithful and, and they fail us and they fail us because we're going out and trying to harvest it out of other people when we were designed to be the harvest. We were designed, he said, if you remain in me, that the harvest is gonna grow in your life. There's gonna be love there in your life. And as the love of God shows up, not only is there that place where love genuinely showing up in your life, because remember, we're called to love one another as we love ourselves. All of a sudden, we're not operating and going out looking to harvest love because there's a love deficit in our life. We've got a harvest, we're full of love. We're going out to give love because there's a love harvest in our life. That is what God has called us to be. We're not out there looking for some joy because there's a joy deficit in our life. We go out and this, the scriptures tell us that we can have an overflow of joy in our life to the place that all of a sudden we're full of joy and people that get around us are full of joy. Why? Because there is this fruit showing up in our lives. That is what we're called to be. But for so long, our society, our own patterns, our own things, we have settled for getting our baskets every day and going through life trying to harvest and pick these things out of other people's lives, other situations' lives. Maybe we get a little bit of joy out of a new accomplishment. Maybe we get a little bit of joy 
out of an extra large payday because we got the bonus this time. We get a little bit of joy because we put the right picture on Instagram and we got the most likes we've ever got in our life. We get a little joy out of these different things and we're looking to harvest it instead of allowing us to be the harvest. That is what he has called us to do and he wants to grow these things in our lives. I used to uh, work for a, a local nursery here and um, you know, people would come in and want to find stuff to kill their weeds and they would want to stuff to kill their weeds. And, and the guy who ran the nursery would say, you know, okay, here's the stuff that kills the weeds. He said, but the best thing to get rid of weeds is, a, is good, healthy grass. You get good, healthy Bermuda grass and it will not, nothing can compete with Bermuda in good ground. Nothing can. It'll choke everything else out. It can't do it. So what you need to do is, yeah, temporarily, maybe you have some stuff that kills some weeds. But what you need to do is focus on making your soil better. You need to put the stuff into your soils because weeds can't compete with grass in good ground. You'll show up and you'll see some sort of sad-looking place and weeds are growing up in these sad little neglected places. But I'm telling you what, you dump the, the right nutrients into it, you dump the water into it, and it's not all of a sudden you're going to just have weeds, weeds, weeds everywhere. Man, we, had a, we bought a house um, years ago, and it had been neglected, and it was just dirt. It was dirt everywhere. And I remembered what this man had told me. So, man, I turned the sprinklers on, and, I said, and sure enough, weeds popped up. But guess what? There had been, at one point in time, there had been a good stand of Bermuda, where Bermuda gets its roots deep. It'll go, it's why it's drought tolerant. It goes deep. So all of a sudden that water got it and that grass started growing up. And by the end of that growing season, you could have lost a small dog in my yard. I'm telling you, man, that grass was thick. And I didn't go out there and pick weeds, pick weeds, pick weeds. Most of us, the, the world thinks that the church is a bunch of weed pickers. They do. They're like, why do, you, why do you don't go to church? Well, because they're just going to point out all the little stuff in my life that's messed up, all the little stuff in my life that's wrong and say, well, you need to pick that and you need to pick that and you need to pick that. And maybe there are some things. Maybe there are some things that need to shift and you will have to let the Holy Spirit point that out, not each other. Let the Holy Spirit point that out. But I'm here to tell you, our philosophy from day one of Celebration Church is that if we'll take care and may be good ground for the seed of the word of God, then guess what? Then the work of the Holy Spirit is gonna deal with the weeds. It's going to. We don't have to be weed pickers around here. We just let the good soil grow, be cultivated in our lives, and we're gonna be more concerned about what kind of soil we are than whether or not something that we don't want is popping up periodically because I know as your pastor that you keep your heart humble before the Lord, you keep your heart open to him, then I know it. I've seen it time and time again. The Holy Spirit will take care of that. Good ground that the weeds cannot compete in good ground. Romans chapter seven, verse five. So my brothers, you who also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to one another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. We've been regenerated. We have been made alive in Christ in order that we can bear fruit. So these things can grow in our lives. 
You know what? Joy is not a reward for pleasing God and checking all the boxes. Joy is a fruit that grows in your life from being a child of God. It's not a reward for pleasing God. It is a fruit that grows as a child of God. We don't go and say, man, I don't have any peace in my life. Lord, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? You're chasing peace. It ought to be naturally growing. Lean into him and he will grow it in your life. He wants to grow this fruit in us. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they're yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen, which means so be it, is spoken by us. So the promises are yes in Christ. So they've been given the go ahead. The promises are yes. And it's up to us to say, so be it. So the promise is yes. And we have to say, yep, I agree with that. So be it. So we speak the amen by us to the glory of God. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit on our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. His Holy Spirit is a reminder that he's at work in our lives. He is, is a reminder that he is not done yet. A reminder that there, is a, that there is something ahead for us in our life in Christ. And see, these fruit, fruits or, or virtues are the things that remind ourselves and others that God is working in us. Back to that same conversation there in the upper room, John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That fruit, that fruit is the Holy Spirit. For a long time, the church thought that bearing fruit was good deeds. And you know what? If we're loving, if the fruit of the spirit of love is at work in our lives, then guess what? Then there will be some good deeds that come out of that. We'll care for our neighbor we will let people know that there's a God who loves them. Evangelism is not something that we go out and do for God. Evangelism is just an act of love. If you know the truth that there's a God who loves, the, loves people and has done something on their behalf, then love says, open your mouth and have the conversation. That's what love says. It's just a natural product of love. That that is what he wants to do is, is bearing much fruit, showing the world that we're the disciples. I think that if there was more of the fruit of the Spirit at work in us as, his, as God's children, that there would be a lot more people convinced that there's a God who's out there. What if all of us were this Galatians chapter 5, no limits kind of loving, had no limits kind of joy, had no limits kind of peace, had no limits kind of kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. What if that began to work? Don't you think that would begin to make people go, huh, huh maybe there's something up with this God of Christianity. Maybe there's something up with these, these Jesus people. Because, man, there's places that I would lose my cool. And there seems to be this reservoir 
of patience there. Well, guess what? It doesn't have to be something that we work. I tell you, I've done it. I've done it. I've sit there and I'm like, I am Pastor Brandon and I better be patient. And folks, when I'm having to grit my teeth to be patient and, and for whatever reason, I didn't have the fruit of patience at work in my life, it's miserable. It's hard. Patience is brutal whenever it's something you're trying to fabricate and you're trying to work and you're trying to make happen. Okay, yeah, sure. Take as long as you want. Yeah, sure. Yeah, service times, 9, 30, 11. That's right, Pastor Brandon, yes. And I'm telling you, it's brutal. But man, when the fruit of patience is at work in our lives, man, it's just so natural. And not only is somebody else benefiting from it, you're benefiting from it. You've been in those moments, in those places where you would have lost it. But for some reason, man, the fruit of patience was at work. And you're like, it's cool. And people are like, are you sure it's cool? You're like, yeah, that's cool. And this patience is at work. Joy is at work. Peace. The scriptures talk about a peace that passes understanding. That's because there are moments where in our lives, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. There's a place where trouble comes and everybody goes, you should not be at peace. You should be freaking out. You should be losing your mind. If I was going through the half of the mess you're going through, I would be losing it. But this, this fruit of peace is at work in our lives and it's like, okay. I've got a God who's faithful. He's been faithful before. He'll be faithful again. And I, I am gonna see the fruit of his promise and the fruit of peace holds me together while I see the fulfillment of promise go. And guess what? Everybody else in the process is going, oh, wow, that's different. That's different. It is the fruit of the spirit at work. Matthew seven twenty says, by their fruit, you will recognize them the fruit of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 2. You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He says, you're a letter read by everybody. How are people reading the letter of the Corinthian people? How are the other Corinthian people, the other Corinthian citizens reading the letter of the Corinthian believers? It's just by interacting with them by seeing that there's something different. There's something at work. We're called to be living epistles, living letters for the work of God. Now, here's the thing. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This isn't a thing that I'm sitting there saying, well, you better be more joyful. No, let the fruit of the Spirit of joy be worked in you by the Holy Spirit. Invite the fullness of the Holy Spirit 
See, as we begin to trust God and let him lead and we see his faithfulness, guess what? Love can be, is so much easier. Joy is so much easier. Peace is so much easier when we have matured in trusting him and knowing him. John 13 says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then Matthew 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Folks, our bottom line today is that the fruit of the Spirit is the ultimate on earth as it is in heaven. It's the ultimate. Think about heaven. It's joy and love and peace. It's goodness and faithfulness and kindness. Self-control is an abundant. It's heaven itself. As we let the Holy Spirit begin to invade our lives, that is heaven invading earth. This is what we want the fruit of the Spirit, and guess what? It's something we can't do on our own. That's why we have the helper. That's why we have the helper. So when we find ourselves in a place that love feels like it's running thin, lean to the helper. Lean to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me, I'm struggling with love. Holy Spirit, help me. I'm struggling with joy. Holy Spirit, help me. I'm struggling with peace. Lean in. That's why Jesus gave us. It's not that he's demanding us to be this. It's like this is the promise that this is what the helper will bring into your life. Are you embracing the work of the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit wants to grow these things in our lives. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.